This is the Joe and Amber podcast. The NBA postseason is here and we've got some play in tournament action headed your way tonight. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So some big ones tonight, Joe. Bleep gets real, as the kids say. Heat versus Hawks, 7.30 p.m. tip-off. We will certainly be keeping you updated on that game all throughout the show on Joe and Amber's Lakers-Timberwolves, 10 p.m. tip-off. We will be looking ahead to that matchup as well. Joe's got all sorts of betting advice. Advice for you tonight. We're bringing it here with these play-in games. These are two very fascinating games because the Lakers are a monster favorite against Minnesota. So the question there is whether or not the T-Wolves can even keep this thing close considering they're going to be without McDaniels, Gobert, uh, Nas Reed, Mm -hmm. just to name a few of the problems they have coming into that matchup. This Atlanta-Miami matchup, very tasty. Miami a five-point favorite, which is interesting because these two met not that long ago and Miami was laying around two and a half, three, and now we're up to five. You're paying the Eric Spolstra tax, which is the, at this time of year, the Miami Heat are going to knuckle up, buckle down. They're going to play some big-time defense. They're going to be well-coached. Jimmy Butler is going to raise his game to a new level and they're going to go out and they're going to outslug you. And the question is whether or not Miami can do that. Can they flip the switch? They're 12 and 13 over the last 25 games. They have been one of the most inconsistent teams in the NBA all season long, yet this is no longer the regular season. This is when it matters. So do we see a version of the Heat that we've seen in playoff years past? Because if you remember, these two met in the postseason last year, and Miami waxed Atlanta out of the playoffs, beating them 4-1. to one in a, it didn't, I mean, you went five games. That was it. Atlanta barely showed up. You said you, uh, and yes, I do claim the Miami Heat. Now, I haven't been as boastful this season as I have been here on ESPN every other season since joining ESPN because I just haven't felt as good about the Heat this season. You like to front run. That's okay. I like to front. No, no, actually, that's not true. Yes, that's what that is. I was the only one on our national (laughs) airwaves who kept telling people, watch out for the Heat, including last season when, by the way, they took the Boston Celtics to seven. And if Jimmy Butler has hit hit that shot, shot the heat find themselves in another nba finals because don't forget they were just in one in 2020 as well however this heat is a different version of the miami heat and a lot of those role players have come back down to earth we know that duncan robinson contract couldn't look uglier tyler hero had come back down to earth a bit this season overall jimmy butler as well in and out with injuries overall this heat has team has not been consistent like you mentioned but you also mentioned flipping the script They've already done that. It's like they've saved themselves for this time of year. Once the calendar turned April, the Heat really turned things on. They're four and one in the last five with their offensive rating spiking. Uh, with the rise being attributed to Miami Heat's shooting, 37.9% from beyond the arc, which was up from the season percentage of 34.4%. So the shooters are actually getting the basketball into the hoop, which I hear is a good thing. And something that has been just infuriating as a Heat fan this season is frankly the lack of offense defensively always a good team a much better team than the Atlanta Hawks defensively which is why I think it's fair that the odds makers are giving the heat the edge here but I think it's twofold the Hawks have a real problem with defense they don't have a problem with offense I mean their pieces offensively are phenomenal it's the story of Trey Young generally right and DeJounte Murray and it's just that 
team, the way that it's constructed, it's constructed for offense. They kind of forgot about defense. That's a problem for them. However, with the Miami Heat, the other thing, the other factor, I don't know if it's necessarily the Spo factor like you mentioned. It's the Jimmy Butler factor. And Jimmy does play a different brand of basketball in the postseason. Playoff Jimmy is as good as, as darn near anybody in the league. And you've seen him already turn things on in April here. Also low-key, the second half of the season, Jimmy Butler's playing his best basketball. I mean, he is still at the peak of his career, and I don't know if he's going to be there forever, and I'm a bit frustrated with the current construction of my team. I think they're wasting right now his prime a little bit because I don't think that as they're constructed, they can win an NBA title by any means, but I do think they can beat the Atlanta Hawks in a plan. So you lay out the Miami side of the equation. I'll stand out and do the Atlanta side of the equation. This is a monster situation for Trey Young because a couple years ago, he looked like he was going to be the next big thing when he got the Hawks to the conference finals. And it has been anything but since then. And Miami has particularly frustrated him. This season, Trey Young averaging 26 points on 43% shooting this year. That's very solid. That's going to keep you around a long, long time. But in four games against the Miami Heat, he goes from 26 points per game to 19 points per game. He goes from 43% shooting to 35% (laughs) shooting. And it was even worse last year in the playoffs. In those five games, they held him to 15 points on 31% shooting. Trey Young is going to have to step up tonight if Atlanta is going to win. And if Atlanta and Trey Young are going to have a long-term future together, tonight is a very important game because the rumors continue to swirl. They're continuing to swirl that there's a divorce eventually coming between those two sides. I actually really like Trey Young. I think he's one of the most exciting players to watch because I like offense. Offense is fun. We're talking about a dude who's averaging, what, 26.2 points per game. Like, he's out of control with what he's been doing lately in terms of offense for that team. Also, again, I mentioned DeJounte Murray. The way that that team is, they score and they do it at such a high clip. It's fun, but they can't defend anybody. And Trey Young's never going to be able to defend anybody. Like, that's not his game. He needs defenders around him. He's not the player that can necessarily be the cornerstone of a championship team because he's not that kind of play. He doesn't have that complete of a game, but it doesn't mean that he can't be one of the best players on a championship team because I do think he's one of the more exciting players to watch. I also love that the Heat are his kryptonite, though. I love it. Oh, yeah. It means more tonight. They're very (laughs) familiar with him. They play it very well. If you want to throw some potential winners out to the people, I may have something involving Trey Young. Okay, well, hold on. Hold on to that for just a moment. Tomorrow, the NBA play in doubleheaders on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and Series XM Channel 80. The Bulls and Raptors lead it off Wednesday with coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. They are bumping us. We will allow it to know Joe and Amber tomorrow night. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's time for some pizza money. Let's do it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Simple night last night. We made one bet. We won it. We're up one unit. For the season, we are 77 wins, 65 losses, plus 23.85 units. If your average unit size was a $1 billion wager, this show has made you almost $24 billion. 
you're almost competing with Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos if you bet a billion dollars per wager. Now, I'm imagining most of you don't, but just throwing that out there. Doubleheader for you tonight. Two bets regarding the Atlanta-Miami game, which tips off in 20 minutes. Bet number one, under 227.5 total points. All right? Unders are hitting at 70% since the play-in started. They were 6-0 and last year. Why? Because we watch a regular season with a ton of scoring and mediocre defense. So then we get into the play-in, and we kind of forget that it's a different style of basketball. And as a result, the bookmakers still hang relatively high numbers when it comes to their totals. That gives us value in the under. Miami's a top-10 defense. They play at a very slow pace. They're good at limiting Trey Young under 227.5 total points. In addition... In correlation with that, Trey Young under 24.5 points. We just laid out earlier in the segment what Miami does to him, how frustrating they were to him this year, how frustrating they were to him in that five-game series last year where they wrapped it up four games to one, holding him to just 15 points per game. Pizza Money number one, under 227.5 total points, Heat Hawks. Pizza Money number two, Trey Young under 24.5 total points. You're listening to Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, Mel Kuyper released his latest mock, and there's a new name coming off the board at number one. We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We are getting closer to the NFL draft, which occurs at the end of this month, which means we're getting more Mel Kuyper mocks. Mock 4.0. That's what we're up to. And Mock 4.0 for Mel is quite different than Mach 3.0, including the number one pick. We will get into all of that in just moments. But first, Joe's got more advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Favorite bet of the night. Hawks heat. This one tips off in about 13 minutes or so. Sadiq Bay plays for the Atlanta Hawks. Bet him to go over nine and a half points. It's a little juicy. It's minus 135. And that juice has been climbing throughout the day. But here's why. Bay's averaging 11.5 points per game on the season. So we're not asking him to do a whole lot more than he normally does. That's what he's averaging since he was traded over to Atlanta earlier in the year. I want to focus on the matchup, however. He's played Miami twice this season. He dropped 22 points and 17 points in those two games. Why? Miami wants you to shoot three-pointers. They defend the interior. They force you to shoot from the outside. Think of it like this. Miami has given up the second-fewest field goal attempts of anybody in the NBA this season. But they've given up the ninth-most three-pointers. Now think about that. They don't give up a lot of shots, but when they do, 
their three-pointers. Oh, by the way, Sadiq Bey knocks down 40% of his three-point shots this season. He is fantastic from long range. Pizza Money number three, best bet of the night, Sadiq Bey over. Nine and a half points, minus 135. So we will be keeping you up to date on that game throughout the show. We will also be previewing the Lakers and Timberwolves. That game tips off at 10 p.m. Eastern tonight. We got a doubleheader headed your way on ESPN Radio tomorrow night and Friday night as the play-in tournament continues. But we got to talk about the NFL right now because we have the NFL draft at the end of this month. That means Mel Kuyper is hard at work. He released Mel's mock draft 4.0 today. And there is a new name at number one, a quarterback, not shocking, but I guess what is shocking about this draft here is that we legitimately don't know who's going number one because everybody keeps toggling between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. And Joe, it seems legitimate at this point in this draft 4.0, he has Bryce Young now going to the Carolina Panthers with that number one overall pick. Stroud is a monster favorite in Las Vegas to go number one overall. If you go back to just a few weeks ago when we were talking about this, C.J. Stroud was a monster favorite at around minus 400. That means risking $400 just to win 100. Bryce Young is now minus 320. And it's been climbing since the end of last week because respected money has been coming in on Bryce Young to go first overall. Why? Well, I think at the first point when the money was coming in, it's because the market was priced inaccurately. A lot of people like Bryce Young and the fact that he was a plus money dog. Some people wanted to jump behind that. But there's a new rumor surfacing. All right. There's a new rumor. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but I think it's juicy and it's worth talking about here on this show. There's a thought process that the Houston Texans love Bryce Young, that he's their guy. But if you remember, the Houston Texans screwed this whole thing up. They beat the Bears in the last game of the season and it cost them the number one overall pick. Chicago had it. They traded it to Carolina. Carolina, according to this rumor, knows that Houston loves Bryce Young, so they're threatening to take him or trade the pick to someone who does unless Houston wants to come up from two to one. They wouldn't have to give up a lot, but just throw a mid-round pick or something at him, and then you can go up to number one, and you can get the quarterback you covet. So there's another reason why Bryce Young could go to number one. It might not just be Carolina. It might be Houston coming up a spot to get him. What do you think about that? Chestnut checkers. I like that theory. It's also possible that they're going to draft Bryce Young, I suppose. I mean, Chris Mortensen believes that Bryce Young is actually the Panthers pick. Adam Schefter believes that Bryce Young is actually the Carolina Panthers pick. And Mel Kuyper has Bryce Young rated above C.J. Stroud. Mel seems to be really into Will Levis first, which is always interesting. And then Bryce Young second, ahead of C.J. Stroud, because of the attributes he has as a quarterback that has a really high football high IQ, the, the understanding of the game, the scrambling, the pinpoint accuracy. None of that is in doubt. But the one thing that we always hear about Bryce Young, obviously, is the sides, which Mel does allude to in here because you always have to say it when you're talking about Bryce Young. It's got to be so annoying to be Bryce Young at this point because of that, right? right? I mean, it's like nobody can have a hook on a poor guy. Like, everyone's like, oh, Bryce is great. But have you seen his size? Like, this poor dude, man. Nobody can stop talking about his size. Five 5'10", 204 pounds. And if he's That's listed at 5'10", 204 pounds, come on. We know what that really means in this world. I mean, he's not a big guy, at least in this world of the NFL. Yeah, I. the whole process is fascinating. There's another theory that, that Carolina just had their meeting with Bryce Young. And this mm-hmm. is probably more realistic. They just had their meeting with him. 
they like him. But not all of them like him. There's a lot of people involved in this. There's an owner. There's a general manager. There is a director of player personnel. There are scouts. There's the coaching staff. And it is reasonable to assume in a year where we don't have a Trevor Lawrence coming out Mm -hmm. that the room could be divided. There could be some guys there that really like Bryce Young and they're leaking it to the media. And then there could be other guys there who are scheduled to meet with C.J. Stroud next week who could be in love with him and they could leak that to the media. So what we know today is the same thing we knew yesterday. Nothing. Nothing. We know absolutely nothing. We're updating you on the line moves. Unless Mel figured it out, which if it's Mel, congratulations, Mel. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that we know nothing about this number one pick because... I feel like we, in the last bunch of drafts, have had a pretty darn good idea where that number one pick is going. It's exciting to genuinely not yes. know. But oh, he yeah. has C.J. Stroud going two here to the Houston Texans. So one and two still, even though not in the same order as Mach 3.0, still C.J. Stroud, still Bryce Young in some sort of respective order here in all of his mocks. It gets interesting at number three, at, at, pick, uh, at pick three, where he has the Arizona Cardinals trading out. We know the Cardinals have been flirting reportedly with at least six other teams that have been giving them a phone calls. Joe thinks they're inflating the number. Either way, they've been taking phone calls. They're considering maybe trading out of that spot. The Cardinals presumably don't need a quarterback because they just paid Kyler Murray a bunch of money. Here he has the Tennessee Titans jumping all the way up eight spots, trading with the Arizona Cardinals, getting Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida at three. So moving up eight spots to get AR. It's intriguing because Tennessee just drafted Malik Willis last year. Now, he's the quarterback out of Liberty. He wasn't a first-round selection, but if you're already interested in the idea of moving on, I mean, what did you think you were getting into with that pick? Everybody knew he was a developmental project, and that's not to knock him. You just knew it was going to take time, kind of like the 49ers with Trey Lance. They traded all the way up and took him, and shockingly, they're a little bit disappointed it's not working out. Well, what did you expect? Maybe the Titans realized they made a huge mistake, Maybe they're just leaking information that for some reason they want to put people onto somebody else when they're thinking about zagging and everyone else is zigging. Another interesting note on this mock draft, Mel has Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, is the first defensive player off the board. He has him going to Seattle. If you remember, he was the one that was in the drag racing incident where the other car crashed. People were killed. He also had a pro day event that was a disaster. They had to shut it down because he was out of shape. And he was breathing heavy, and they didn't want him to continue at his own pro day. So it'll be interesting to see where that shakes down because Will Anderson out of Alabama very much coveted as a defensive Carter player. Carter pled no much. contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing last month in connection to that fatal crash in January. I have been shocked at the projections with Jalen Carter because also what you mentioned there with that pro day, and yet every time I hear draft experts talk about it, NFL experts talk about it, including on our airwaves, they all act like none of that is really going to hurt his draft stock, and I'm, I'm pretty shocked by that, but I guess that's a TD, TBD on draft day. Coming up next, more Joe and Amber. Heat Hawks is about to tip off. We will be keeping you updated on that game throughout tonight's show. Later tonight, 10 p.m. tip off. Lakers, Timberwolves on ESPN Radio. You get a doubleheader headed your way tomorrow and on Friday. Those games for the play-in tournament you can hear right here on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. We get circumvented, Joe and Amber does, by NBA play-in tournament. We'll allow it. It seems kind of important. So it's okay. We'll take the night off tomorrow night. We'll allow the NBA to have a little little bit of the shine right now let's sound on sound off 
They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. The Pelicans, they were a top three team in the West prior to Zion Williamson going down with another injury, a hamstring injury this time. Much speculation has been made about what exactly we should expect to see from Zion. When is he going to return? We heard from the young star earlier today on when action might actually be forthcoming for Zion. Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of uh, when I feel like Zion. I know the atmosphere I'd be in uh, based off like the playoff experience. Uh, so now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, it just sucks. Uh, I love this game. I say it over and over. For those people that think that I just want to sit on the sideline just to sit over there, I don't know why people think that. But uh, now it sucks. I just, just want to be playing basketball for real. Sam Pierce is filling in tonight for our producer, James Steele. Hello, Sam. Hello, Amber. Hello, Joe. This one is a delicate one. Um, The Zion injury. He starts off the sound by saying, physically, I'm fine. So my question to you, Joe, is if he's physically fine, how should his teammates and fan base feel that he's not suiting up in a winner-go-home game? Frustrated. Everyone should be frustrated about all of this. You were the number one overall pick. There was a ton of hype around you. He was in that rarefied air with like Bryce Harper and LeBron James. Those mm-hmm. were guys that we were talking about years before we were ever going to see him in the pros. That and doesn't those two guys panned often. out. <laughs> yes, and that's the difference. Bryce Harper with the weight of the world on his shoulders delivered. LeBron James with every eyeball on the planet watching him since he was a little kid delivered in the most spectacular way imaginable. Zion, not really. He's hurt. He might be out of shape. We don't hear from him much. You don't see him around the team. I'm glad he spoke here. It's great he wants to be out there. If he's feeling good, I have no idea why he wouldn't be out there. We're conditioned to believe guys are tough. It's the playoffs. You're going to show up. He's not showing up. What do you want us to expect? You can say whatever you want, but you're not out there. Once again, you're not out there. So at the end of the bite, he says, you know, I don't understand why people say I want to be on the bench. And it's like, well, the reason that we say that is because of what you said at the beginning of that bite, where you said you're physically fine, but you're just not out there because you don't feel like Zion. And it's like, all right, buddy, but if you're physically fine, maybe you just get out there and you play when you don't feel quite like Zion, as long as you're physically fine. And I guess this is one of the concerns with Zion Williamson is we never really know. Are you still injured or is it some sort of mental component where you feel like you aren't your tip top absolute best and you can't get on that court if you're not? And maybe that's the real problem here because his body might not be in a position where he's often going to be at his tip top absolute best. But a lot of guys play through that. And so maybe there's a factor here and maybe it comes from all of that pressure throughout his life and how bright the lights were and how high the expectations were. And so now he feels like he can't even be out there to contribute if he's not Zion Williamson, you know, because he he has so much expectation on him. And that's a real problem if that's what it is, because the story of his career may be such that you're going to have to get out there and play through it when you don't necessarily feel like that guy, like top 10 player in the league kind of guy, but still can contribute and be there for your team and not physically harm yourself any further then you need to be out there anyways real quick it seems like a real concern here real quick you're a heat fan right i am 
You people are the worst. I have this game on. It's, it's a playing game. It started. It's the building's true. half empty. You're oh, the worst. Here, this is the most tired conversation ever. It's the most tired conversation. Heat fans are late to games. The traffic is awful. I literally lost my mind when I lived next to the arena down there for five years. It is worse than any other city in this country. I don't care what people say in Los Angeles. It's worse. Live in Miami for a year. You also will never get to the arena on time. I digress. It's no secret that the Packers. It's also You're a cultural fans. thing down attendees. there. There Heat is also a cultural thing. There's a cultural thing in Miami. All right. We don't do anything on time. There, there's Miami time. It's an actual known thing. When the party starts, does it actually start at the time? Or All right. Are we I started Miami this whole time? thing by it's saying thing. real quick. We need to get to the next topic. Like, of course, you don't. You You're never on time because Miami you never stop talking. 11 p.m. at night. <laughs> it's no secret. <laughs> that the Packers are more than ready to start their next chapter with Jordan Love. Don't worry. We'll be there at the end of the game, Joe, when we beat the Hawks. You weren't against the Spurs, if I'm not mistaken, when Allen hit that shot. Everyone right. that, had that already left, right? happened one time, and we never, let to, we never get to live it saying. down. I mean, who thought Ray Allen was hitting that shot? Miracle shot. Best shot in NBA <laughs> history. Anyways, I digress. What was I talking about? The Packers. Yeah. Mark Murphy. They're, they're starting a new chapter of Jordan Love. But after so many years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, many are skeptical whether Jordan Love can actually fill the shoes of Favre or of Rodgers. Packers president and CEO Mark Murphy had this to say in regards to his hopes for Jordan Love. It is, uh, it is interesting. You know, 15 years ago, we were in a similar situation. I'm really glad that Aaron Rodgers turned out to be such a good quarterback, and I'm hopeful that Jordan Love turns out to be a similar quarterback. And my question to you, Amber, is, like Mark Murphy kind of alluded to at the end, can Jordan Love have a similar career to Aaron Rodgers? Can he fill those shoes or cleats, whatever you want to call it? Can he be a Hall of Famer? Can he be a three-time NFL MVP, win back-to-back MVPs, and be a Super Bowl MVP on top of that? Probably not. Uh, If I was a betting woman, which Joe certainly is a betting man, I I think that we'd probably put our money on no because that's a much higher probability than yes. There's far more people who haven't done that than have. I can't imagine lightning's going to strike a third time for those Green Bay Packers fan base. Can it, Joe? But I have no idea in regards to actual Jordan Love. This isn't some sort of opinion on Jordan Love's inabilities by any means. I haven't seen enough of Love to really evaluate it. It's just statistically speaking, it can't keep happening for them, can it? I mean, yeah, that's the easy answer because statistically, how are you going to strike lightning three times in a row, right? But I'll say this. If you and I are doing this show 15 years ago and we're talking about the transition from Favre to Rodgers and someone asks, do you think Aaron Rodgers can be as good as Brett Favre? We're probably like, no. Statistically speaking, Brett Favre is a Hall of Famer. What are the odds this guy out of Cal is going to be a Hall of Famer? Maybe he'll be good, but he won't be great. And then, boom, he turned out to be awesome. So not saying love's going to be awesome, but I do think there's something to the fact that he has sat and learned for years. He's learned how to be a professional. He's learned how to manage his money. He's learned how to watch how things get done. He's learned some of what not to do. So I'm not going to put anything past the kid. I am very excited to see the Packers with him under center on a regular basis next season. 
The Hawks, who are going to lose to the Heat tonight, hired Quinn Snyder uh, midseason after things went sour under Nate McMillan. But rumors of more changers are still swirling around Atlanta. With this being the third head coach for the Hawks since drafting Trey Young, there are rumblings that he may actually be the issue. ESPN NBA reporter Nick Friedel had this to say about Young and the Hawks going forward. It doesn't seem like that future is that long in Atlanta. When you start hearing over and over, eh, I don't know if he's happy there. Eh, I, I don't know if they really want to build around him for the long haul. And, and can that team really win with him as the guy? That's when you start to see uh, moves go down. And I just don't see Trey Young as being the number one type of guy who's going to lead a team through the East in this case and into a, a title. As him as the guy within that team could be coming to an end here at some point too. And my question to you, Joe, is: Is it time for the Trey Young era to come to an end in Atlanta? I'd give it a few more minutes. As in, how far can they go in the postseason? If he puts it together here, then maybe he changes some minds. But Travis Schlenk was the assistant general manager in Golden State when the dynasty started. That was a team that had Steph Curry. He was the centerpiece. Schlenk took the job in Atlanta and then immediately acquired Trey Young. Why? Because he wanted his version of Steph Curry. Well, it turns out Trey Young's good, but he ain't Steph Curry. So if you don't have Steph Curry playing the Steph Curry position, you're probably not going to get the results the Warriors got. So, yeah, I mean, if Friedel says it perfectly. When you start hearing what you're hearing in Atlanta, it's probably time to move on. And they've been so inconsistent with the coaching staff and as a team in general, it's probably going to be a parting of the ways. That's just how it goes in the NBA. But Steph Curry had guys, elite defenders around him, like Draymond Green, right? I mean, they built the right team around Steph Curry as well. I'm not saying Trey Young is Steph Curry, but I do think Trey Young is a very, very good player. I thought Canty and Carlin had an interesting conversation today when they were talking about that draft with Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Obviously, the draft, they end up getting traded for one another. And it's like, what team is in the better situation right now to win a championship? Because neither of those teams are, really. I think we all think Luka's the better player, and Luka's maybe more easily the cornerstone of a team, but it hasn't worked out for either franchise from that respect. Both of those teams have gone to a conference finals, and it seems to have been a flash in the pan for both of those teams. I will say that I think that the Hawks are better constructed. I mean, you see them in a postseason, something that Dallas, I guess, could have tried to accomplish but didn't bother. But I do think that the Hawks, roster-wise, have some pieces, and Trey Young can be a piece of that, but he can't be the only piece of that. And you have to build the right team around him. I do think it's a little concerning, the rumbling. The rumblings have been going on for years now with Trey Young not getting along in the locker room with his coaches. He's certainly, I think, had a hand in getting coaches fired in the past. And when that happens, at some point, the fingers start pointing at you like, hey, maybe you're the problem. But if I'm the Hawks, I'm not sure I'm moving on quite yet. The Hawks right now up over my heat, 13 to 9. It's early. Everyone calm down. ESPN Radio is presented by <laughs> Progressive Trae Insurance. Save a new bundle, motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we continue fourth. We will continue to keep you updated on this play-in tournament. Talk all things NBA. Atlanta Hawks up on my Miami Heat. 19 to 11 right now. About five minutes and 30 seconds left in the first. We'll continue to keep you updated on all of the play in action. Let's talk about a team, though, Joe, who is not seeing any play in action and 
That seems by design. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. The Dallas Mavericks, they punted on the end of the season. They missed the play-in seemingly on purpose because they were in a position to have made one of those play-in spots. Their season is over. But where this gets interesting is Kyrie Irving because Tim McMahon has an article on ESPN.com today that says general manager Nico Harrison expressed optimism that the Dallas Mavericks would accomplish their top offseason priority of re-signing Kyrie Irving. That is following the All-Star Guards exit interview with the franchise. Now, this kind of surprises me that it's their top priority. It kind of surprises me that they want to pay Kyrie Irving what I assume is going to be a boatload of money. And it also kind of surprised me to hear Luca imply in his exit interviews that, well, at least with the press, that he wants him back, right? I guess they traded away stuff for him. So you got to try to keep him moving forward. But it didn't exactly work out for them at the end of the, albeit a small sample size. It did not exactly work out for them, though, the second half of the season with Kyrie. Yeah, so this is where we are. Excuse me. Are you going to let one problem turn into two problems, turn into three problems? Or are you going to figure it out? You said exactly what mattered more than anything right at the end there. They gave up a massive package to bring in Kyrie Irving because they thought that would put them over the top. That would be the difference maker. That would make Luka happy. That would turn the season around. That would give them the potential to compete in a Western Conference, mind you, that is is as wide open as it's been in more than a decade. We complained for years. People were complaining the Warriors were making it so boring because they were so dominant. Not anymore. The entire Western Conference is open. This is the year a team like Dallas had they built properly, would have been in prime position to go on a run, but they didn't build properly. They made a lot of mistakes. So they go out, they try to fix it with Kyrie Irving. It clearly doesn't work. And now they're going to put themselves in a situation where they're going to say, well, we can't just let him walk. You know, we gave up too much. Well, is that what you're going to do? Are you going to let the one problem turn into another problem? Are you going to give him a huge contract and then watch the situation deteriorate like it did in Brooklyn? Like it did in Boston, like it did in Cleveland. Like it's done everywhere except for the one place that he was standing next to LeBron James. And then it even deteriorated there after he won a championship. Yes, he got the ring, but then also, by the way, won it out. Don't forget that because he didn't enjoy sharing the limelight with the guy who he ended up winning the championship with. Irving is eligible to sign for as much as $272 million over five years with the Mavericks. They possess his bird rights as he enters free agency or approximately $202 million for four years with another franchise. He can easily get the most money staying in Dallas. I don't know if anybody's giving him max money. If people are giving him max money, then Kyrie's going to want to stay in Dallas if they were willing to go that high. If I'm the Dallas Mavericks, I'm not considering nearly that high because of what you just suggested and his history, even though everyone always says Kyrie is one of the most talented basketball players of his entire generation. Yeah, and all the guys that play with him tend to love him. Like, you always hear about how much his teammates love him, yet for some reason it just doesn't work. There's a lot of evidence out there. If you were in a situation where you had a good run with one team and a bad run with the other, there are a lot of ways we can interpret that. But when it didn't go well at the end of Cleveland, when it didn't go well at all in Boston, when it didn't go well in Brooklyn, and now who knows how it's going to play here, but it doesn't look like it's off to a great start, 
you're kind of the common denominator there. Mm -hmm. That's what it was with Carson Wentz. Like when he left Philly, it was, well, the Eagles think this about Wentz. Well, Wentz is saying this. Yeah, Wentz was pretty good. Maybe it's the Eagles. And then it was an issue with the Colts. And then it was an issue with Washington. And now it turns out Wentz is the problem. He's the common denominator. So I don't know. They're not going to want to lose Luka Doncic because that's going to mean a complete reset. That's going to mean that they got a generational talent and they completely blew it with him. And the only way to do that is to try to build around him. And this might be the best they can do from a superstar's perspective. Because if you look at the available free agents, there aren't a lot of guys out there, Amber, right. that can come in and make a difference. Well, that's the problem is how are the Mavs going to do? They don't have the picks. They've traded them all away. It's one reason that they were so concerned about trying to get in the lottery here with having what the eighth best lottery or 10th best or whatever it was lottery chance here the but they don't have the picks moving forward they don't they don't have really the ability to do much in terms of building around Luca or do anything crazy or splashy Kyrie Irving is splashy because despite everything you just said with the resume I guess the difference between Kyrie and Carson Wentz is that Kyrie everyone seems convinced emphatically that he's that good, that he is an elite player. We didn't, we saw that 2017 with Wentz. And then after that, after the injury, everybody was like, is he good? I don't know. You know, with Kyrie, nobody really questions if he's good at basketball. Everybody kind of questions if he's good at fitting into a team in terms of chemistry on the court, in terms of the locker and in terms of everything else that surrounds him when he joins these teams. It happened here again in Dallas. The Mavs went seven and 18, after the Kyrie Irving trade, 5-11 and 11 when both those all-stars were in the lineup. It is a losing record, uh, a, a, a severely losing record, with Luka and Kyrie playing together. And objectively, when you looked at it, you could see why those two would have a hard time meshing with a, such a ball-dominant player in Luka, given, again, they didn't have a ton of time to do it. People always assume that you need all this superstar talent in order to compete, in order to win. We get caught up in the whole big three era, right? In order for LeBron to win, he needed to go to Miami, team up with Dwayne Wade, and bring in Chris Bosh. And you had the big three in San Antonio with Duncan and Ginobili and Tony Parker. And the big three in Golden State. It goes on and on and on, right? Right. That can't be the priority. The priority has to be the culture. Without the culture, you're not going anywhere. You saw all the talent in the world in Brooklyn. They didn't have the culture. They didn't do anything. Well, there they didn't are have the talented teams that have failed all over the place because they don't have the culture. Get the culture right. Get the leadership right. Get the message right. And then you can start plugging guys in and you can figure out how to build this thing up. You get the leadership right. Get the coaching right. All of it matters. All of it's important. The Dallas Mavericks have an advantage here because they seem to have hit on a generational player in Luka, but they're seeming to have a very impossible task getting the right pieces around him to take that next step getting out of the West. Team sources did tell ESPN, according to Tim McMahon, that the concern exists within the organization that Doncic could request a trade in the summer of 2024 if significant progress is not made this next season. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. More Joan Amber coming up next. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.